Welcome to the Entourage Podcast. My name is Paige Scott, and I'm going to be your host. Entourage Ministries gets its inspiration from Psalm 6811 that says, The Lord gives the command, and a great army of women proclaim the good news. Entourage is a multi-generational, multi-denominational, multicultural women's ministry based in Durant, Oklahoma. Join us today as we dive into truth from the Word so that your heart and spirit may be encouraged. Hey ladies, I am so excited for this podcast episode. This is going to be one of a series of issues uh, that we're going to be talking about, uh, issues that are near and dear to the heart of women, um, to the culture that we're in, and what it looks like to be in a culture, in a world, uh, but but being part of it and not of it. And so I have my good friend, Christy. Say hello, Christy. Hello, everyone. Thank you for having me, Paige. Christy Baca, um, most recently in life, has raised her family in the Grayson County area. When my husband and I were we're engaged. Uh, she and her husband, who are kind of just the season right ahead of us in life, is how I would describe that. At that time, they had young children. We were uh, we were engaged. Now their children are out of the home, and we have young children. But they they'd reached out to us for some, some fellowship. We were we were in the same church at that time, and I got to know. Christy, early on at that time, the Lord has done a lot in both of our lives in the past kind of really probably 12 years is, is the course of time that I've known her. And uh, and then we reconnected um, probably seven or eight years ago when Christy authored a book, um, and she'll talk to you about that, what the name of that book is, where you can get it. But um, long story short, Christy is a voice um, for talking basically about what abstinence looks like in today's culture, but don't lose me on that word. Don't ter- don't turn this off. If you're like, I didn't live that way. I don't want to talk that way. We're going to equip you and talk uh, to Christy. We're going to let you know what your kids are hearing about sex. We're going to let you know how you can talk to your kids about sex um, from a, a, a truth worldview. And so before we get into some things, I do want to say if you have little kids in your car. I have a six-year-old that listens to everything, repeats everything. We are probably going to be using terminology on here that is that would evoke questions that you don't want to answer for your, your little kiddos yet. So just uh, a heads up on, on that. Now, if some of the words take your breath away, I want to tell you about your teenage kids. They're hearing them anyway. Um, and, and I think where we will always land as a ministry, as entourage, we are part of the global body of Christ. Um, the the church has to address hard issues head on. Um, if we do not have information, truth information about tough issues, people will find their truth in the world. So we want to have hard conversations in a truth space. And that is exactly what we are doing here today. So Christy, let's hop right into it. And I have a feeling we're going to be jumping a little bit all over the place. Um, but but right off the bat, um, for those that have teenagers um, or caregivers to someone, um, just that, that huge mountain of... Uh, well, actually, let me back up from saying teenagers... Let's say those that have kids, that it's appropriate for them to talk about that. That's actually like a parent between parents about when they choose that. I think if you're waiting to talk to your kids about sex as a teenager, that's probably too late. So let's even go back. Let's just say uh, starting the conversation with your kids about sex. Why does it matter? What age is right for that? Go for it. Just take it away. 
Okay, thank you very much, Paige. And to Paige's question about why does it matter that we talk about to our kids about sex, I'm going to go to Scripture, and then I'm going to go to a statistic that parallels the Scripture that I, I don't think that many parents believe, but it's being said by teens in America and preteens, kids in America, about the conversation they want to have with their parents about sex. So as I stated before, I'm going to start with Deuteronomy 4.9. Only be careful and watch yourselves closely so that you do not forget the things your eyes have seen or let them slip from your heart as long as you live. Teach them to your children and to their children after them. So we have been given a commandment um, through Scripture that we teach things to our children, especially things that are going to be brought into uh, marriage and that directly affect the future of family generations within Mm -hmm. God's plan for marriage. So um, looking at a statistic um, that is in my book, 87% of teens say it would be easier for them to postpone sexual activity and avoid teen pregnancy if they were able to have more open, honest conversations with their parents. So there we have it. We have the scripture and we have our audience telling us we want to have these conversations. And to the parents, uh, millennial parents or parents who might be in the middle of raising, you know, Gen X, I don't know, millennials or Mm -hmm. to you parents, current parents who are afraid of this, I want you to also know um, within my um, world of training and certifications in this very... um, specific niche of sexual education and um, spiritual guidance in this topic, millennials want relationships, and they want guided conversations and topics that lead to deeper relationships about life, period. They are desiring relationships. And a lot of that, I believe, comes from this society that we have that's connected to the internet by phone and by the computer. So I would encourage you to um, move past the uncomfortableness of the topic, and also look to the other side that says they want that relationship. Even though they're not saying it to you, they want it. And I just want to say that in this generation of— God's going to use this generation. I believe this will be the generation of those who seek seek the Lord with their whole heart, but because they want authentic connection. And so I do just— briefly want to say, as a parent, it is important, or a caregiver, if you're a grandparent or aunt or uncle, it is important that we foster that authentic connection, because if there is a deficiency there, they actually may be exploring sexual behavior because they are looking for authentic connection. So if there's genuine authentic connection, even if it's super awkward on tough issues like this, like that is meeting a need in their in their life. So even by having an authentic conversation, you are meeting a need that the world might encourage them to go fish for through premature sexual activity. So go ahead, Christy. Um, And to go back to Paige's question about when do you start having this conversation, um, I think every family is different. Every parent has the ability to own the time element of when they think it's right for for their conversation to happen. I personally started this conversation with books, um, at a, at a preschool age. And when I say preschool, I mean pre-kindergarten. So there are books available to parents. Um, I'll, I'll just give you some pa- parents some resources. I, I mm-hmm. think it's incredible to be equipped with resources, and you can choose to use them or not. But preschool ages three to five, there are two books that I would recommend reading that start the conversation, okay. not about sex, but about God's plan for Opposite Attraction and Relationships with Boys and Girls, okay? Mm -hmm. One is called The Princess and the Kiss, 
and the other is the the squire and the scroll. And those are for boys. One, the princess and the kiss is for girls. Awesome. And I would add to that. I need to do that. Moms okay. and dads, grandparents, aunts and uncles, um, whoever is raising these children, incorporate dads in these conversations with their girls as young as you can because yeah. the foundational strength of a relationship between a father and daughter, the sooner it starts, studies show the less likely she is to turn to other things for um, affirmation. And a lot of girls turn to sexual relationships for affirmation with an absent or distant related father. Mm-hmm. So um, I would I would get these books if I if, if I were a parent today of, of my girls younger mm-hmm. and have dads read through The Princess and the Kiss and, and The Squire and the Scroll and have them read them with their daughter. And the girls are going to want to read them more than once. And I just will say as a ministry right now, we will commit to ordering a couple copies of those to keep here. So any of, of you ladies that come in and out of fellowship with us, you can borrow those here. I'll place that order today, assuming they're on Amazon. And is this resource list in your book? Yes, it's so in So what my is book. your book called and where can someone get it if they want to do that? So my book is called Saying Yes to Saying No. It's a values-based um, tool for parents who want to talk to their children about God's plan for sex. Now, I'm going to preface this by saying it was published in 2012. When you read this book, there will be some content that's outdated, but the principles and the measures of application are timeless. Truth is truth. Truth is truth. Mm -hmm. And the books and the resource section at the back are timeless truths that I would I would give to my girls when they're raising you know their children and my grandchildren because truth is truth and words don't fade. And can we get it on Amazon? Is that where you can? You purchase can get it? my book on Amazon. Yes, okay, you and can. we'll buy a couple of Christie's books on Amazon to have here as a resource as well, ladies. So um, I'm just going to name a few more. I don't want to get hung up on resources, sure. um, except that I'm I'm really passionate about equipping parents. There's also another series called, um, well, it's a four-book series for children and parents to read together beginning at age three. And these four books um, start ages three to five, five to eight, eight to 11, and, and 11 to 14. And they have beautiful pictures of watercolored um, children and adults. And it's just a beautiful way for the illustrator to present the content um, reflecting the words. So it's called The Story of Me is for ages three to five, Before I Was Born, What's the Big Deal, Why God Cares About Sex, and then for the ages 11 to 14, Facing the Facts, the Truth About Sex. Um, something I want to reflect on that Paige mentioned is, you know, the conversation about sex is not something we we really want to start with our teenagers because the foundation for um, breaking through the awkwardness of that conversation really needs to happen before they're entering a zone of um, worldview conflict with our biblical views. So they're going to be facing things within school and their peer groups and sport groups and wherever they're spending their time away from family in conflict about these things. And so if we prepare them sooner about it, they're going to be equipped to to make better choices for themselves and to even influence their peers to make the best choices um, reflective of what our family values are regarding sex outside of marriage. Sure, sure. I think in life, as I think back to just different things that that were or weren't talked about in my home, not specific to this issue, but some of the things in life that have been hardest for me to accept or process through were things that they just were absent conversations. Mm-hmm. And um, and I think on the flip side of this, even for someone that is abstinent but wants a really healthy marriage, like they need to understand like what the goals are for a healthy 
sex life in a marriage. And, um, and I'm super modest. And that's even like hard for me to say that a little bit because that's just, I fall on the super modest side of things. My husband is not that way. And I can tell by nature, my girls are like my husband and they all three make me turn a little bit red sometimes because they're so like comfortable in their bodies and they're so blunt. And they, we, everyone is a sexual nature by being God made us. He designed us to be that way. And so I'm already thinking, okay, I need to get these books, go over it with my little preschool girls, um, because they're going to be very into this conversation. And I've got to get on board because I'm their covering, and I've got to get in line with the Word on teaching things that that matter. So, um, so let's just move forward with saying, say I'm a sixth grader. Let's just pick sixth grade. What kinds of things am I hearing about sex in a school setting? Or, let's just say Private school or public school, we t- we make no assumptions that because someone is in a Christian school that they're not still a middle-aged uh, child. So what kinds of things are the world saying to this age demographic, 11, 12, 13-year-olds, about sex? And then what does our our point of, points of truth need to be? Okay, I'm glad you brought that up. And I am going to be talking about some really um, specific things, and I am— a modest person, but through this journey God has had me on on this topic, I've learned to say things out loud a little bit easier. But, but yeah. just because I'm saying doesn't mean that I I think that they're easier. Just a little preface there. Yeah. Um, sixth graders um, are facing conversations with their peers in general about um, the reason why oral sex and anal sex um, aren't really sex. They're justifying those things as being measures of um, pregnancy prevention. Um, but what they don't understand is that those acts are sexual acts because they're they're happening within um, sexual parts of the body that God has created. Mm-hmm. And what they're not understanding is those acts are putting them at a great risk for um, STIs and emotional sexually scars. transmitted infections. Yes, thank you, Paige. Yeah. Um, yes, or another acronym you might hear that is STD, mm-hmm. which is a sexually transmitted disease. Mm-hmm. Those two acronyms are interchangeable. Mm-hmm. Um, within the health world. So what's happening is teens are talking about um, experimenting with anal sex, oral sex, peer-to-peer sex, um, female-to-female, male-to-male, different types of um, sexual experimentation is beginning at, at that age, unfortunately, and and in some places even sooner as fifth grade. So um, the, the gender identity, and I don't want to go too deep into this, but it is an issue that kids are um, hearing a lot of language in school and on the internet and in different family origins about confusion about who they are. And this idea of um, pronoun hospitality is taking place in schools where they're able to choose what they want to be, and so then they choose to be something else, and then that leads into conversations about further experimentation with pleasing themselves sexually. Um I don't know if does that answer your question. Yeah. So, so I. <laughs> yeah, lot. that's a, a lot. That's a lot to process. Yeah. Uh, just another um, thought is I, I used to present on on this quite a bit um, when I was in college, and probably, gosh, probably ten years ago, I was I was newly married and I'd gone uh, into a teacher's classroom to just do something for a group of girls, and they were seventh grade girls, and they were precious. And I remember I asked the question, because it was secular, secular audience. So Mm -hmm. I was trying to just find some common points we could agree on. So one of the points that I'd asked the girls, I said, can we all agree that we date ultimately 
for the purpose of marriage. That's why that's why we pursue or that's why we get into an involved relationship. And I couldn't move past that point. And this is 10 years ago. Um, and I remember the girls just point blank said, no, my mom and dad were never married. So why does that mean dating should look that way for me? Valid, valid point. So totally different worldview. We're from the same geographic place. Um, you know, here that was in Bryan County. So another point that I'm trying to arrive at in this, after I kind of caught my breath from that, is just talking through boundaries. And that's part of this larger conversation, establish your boundaries. So I'm like, okay, as seventh graders, you're not like in super um, isolated relationships right now, hopefully without adult supervision. Super naive of me to assume that. Um, and I just said, what are some of the choices you have to make as a seventh grader about a boy that you like? And right they were so sincere. Um, they just said, if we will send nude pictures or not. Yes. Sexting. Yes. And I'm like, I'd heard of that word, um, but that was a no shame topic in a seventh grade class 10 years ago. That was what, in seventh grade, that is not what I was thinking about. That was not a decision that I was making concerning a, a boy in a relationship. But if 10 years ago, that was the thing. Everything in life is progressive, and um, especially when it is outside of the truth in the kingdom of God. So if those were the decisions seventh grade girls were talking about in their school, a little, little school in this area, what does that look like today? And that just kind of are some of the things that Christy was talking about that you're like, what? And I don't think we're crazy. We're not crazy. This is the truth. We can accept the reality that these conversations are going on, and then we can bring the sword of truth into them and dissect what is the word, what is the world, um, or we can just put our head in the sand. But we're not going to do that. So because of that, we're going to keep moving forward. So Christy, what's coming to your mind uh, Next. Well, two things. I'm I'm super glad you mentioned the word boundaries. That's a huge thing. And a lot of kids think that when parents put boundaries on them, they're putting them within a fence and it's it's just so hard and restrictive. And well, you're just keeping me from being independent. But really, I, I want to read a quote to you. Um, boundaries in a dating relationship are important because they keep us from giving someone too soon a part of who we are emotionally and physically, and they protect us from physical, emotional, and spiritual consequences. Mm -hmm. And to the topic of um, what Paige brought up about sexting and the things um, that come about from that oftentimes that I brought up, you know, with the experimentation of different sexual activities, sexting in general is an emotional um, it's, it's an emotional thing that girls think that they're obligated to share. It becomes an emotional trauma to them when they mm -hmm. share a picture of themselves or boys to girls. That's happening as well. We can't discount the fact that girls are putting peer pressure on boys as well. I don't ever want to just put one um, gender of, of a child in, in a category and say, well, they're doing it more than the other. Mm -hmm. So it's happening on both sides. But boundaries um, within the sexting world and within the sexual activity world and even in just Dating relationships are so important because when you set a boundary and you establish your placement within who you are, people begin to see it. And then the more often you say it and the more often that you walk it out, the harder it is for them to penetrate um, a weak spot. Mm -hmm. So um, I, don't, I don't know if that's yeah kind of so, piggybacking off of your idea of boundaries and sexting. Yeah. And I did just want to mention too, if you're listening and you're a young adult and you're single and you're like, man, I have already blown it here. Um, 
we're going to be addressing like moving past shame. And parents, if you're listening, thinking, oh my gosh, my child's 16. I've never talked to them about it. They're doing all these things. They may not be doing all these things. You don't know. But um, we Again, we want you to stay with us. Like it is never too late to do the right thing, and it's never too late to do the best thing. There's no condemnation for those who are who are in Christ, and um, and so just just hang with us through the tough part of this conversation because we want to bring we want to bring hope uh, hope to you. Um, so, Christy, um, what I mean if some so if someone say they've not taken the approach that you have, like of really cultivating that conversation in an organic way early on. And now their child is like 13 and they're going to set them down, talk to them, and they have never said anything about anything before. What do they do? What do you recommend? (laughs) Okay. So what I recommend is starting with questions that allow them to have an open-ended response so that you give them ownership of the conversation and you're not dominating Mm -hmm. as um, the resource of information. Give them some ownership into it. Let them buy into the conversation. And the more they have a buy-in on it, the more comfortable they're going to become talking about it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I might begin with a question like, um, what do you hear your peers talking about sex? What do you know about sex? Um, what What do you know about, um, I'm just going to say, kids are talking about these things. What do you know about anal sex? What do you know about STDs or STIs? Has your, have you been talking about those mm-hmm. things at school? Um, tell me something about your thoughts on dating. Ask your son and daughter, what are your thoughts on dating? Um, Mm -hmm. What are your peers doing in their dating relationships? Are labels in relationships bringing about more pressure? Because once um, preteens and teens or or any um, children enter into a dating relationship, that label of I'm boyfriend or girlfriend seems to bring about a a more prevalent pressure to start doing things because then people say, oh, well, you're dating, so you should be holding hands. And then, oh, well, did you go on a car date? Well, in a car date, did you know you could do these things? So back to Paige's question, I would start with questions that allow your son or daughter to have a buy-in with their response and then go from there. Every response will be different. You may have two children and have raised them the exact same way and start this conversation at different times, but their responses are going to be be different as well. Um, Jesse and I were at a Christine Kane event recently, and she and her husband have this beautiful marriage, um, and they just made this simple statement. Um, we got married on purpose and for purpose. And I think um, it also makes me think of Proverbs, I think t- chapter 29, where it says, where there's no vision, uh, the people cast off restraint. Or where there's right. no vision, the people perish. And so I just feel like even thinking back to my life, I had such a vision for getting married um, that for me, that was very clear. It yes. was something I understood. Yes. Yes. I understood um, not fully. We grow in these things, but I knew I was valued in Christ. I mm-hmm. knew I had strong identity in Christ. Mm-hmm. I knew that God wanted to use me. And this is not true for Paige, just Paige Scott. This is true for every single person God has created, right. whom He has called, yeah. whom He has chosen. Um, I knew He had plans for me, and I knew He had plans for a guy that I would marry someday. And um, and so I did see everything through that lens. And um, and so that helped me establish boundaries. Um, and it, it helped me. I feel like I didn't get it all right. I picked up a lot of legalism um, because that's kind of my personality where I, I chose to be led by good things that actually weren't always God things. Um, 
So I didn't get it all right, but I do want to say I had this great vision for serving alongside my husband someday and understanding that most guys that I might like or go on a date with or whatever, not that there were a ton of those because there weren't because I was so like, well, if I'm not going to marry you, I'm not going to date you. Um, but But anyway, I just, yeah, I had a very set lens because I had a big, beautiful vision. And I think my parents did a great job of of watering the right things. And I know that it's fun as a parent. I mean, there's a little boy in foster school that's adorable, and I always kid like, oh, I hope Foster marries him someday. I really do hope that she, he marries him someday. Um, I would call out his mom, but she's probably listening, and I don't want to freak her out. Um, but I think I see parents a lot of times jump on board with watering relationships with approval, and it almost gives a false sense of um, security um, to to a child. And and I do want to commend my mom. I dated an awesome guy for a long time. She would never, she gave me the free will to do that. She gave me appropriate accountability so that I wasn't, you know, making um, horrible, horrible decisions. But she would never give me that stamp of approval that I wanted so that I could really have that peace about launching forward into more serious relationship. And so I just want to say that, too, that, like, your kids are looking for your approval and your authority. Give it in the right places. Hold on to it in the places where it's premature and foster that vision for their future as a person as a spouse, if that's what God has called them to, because that is going to be foundational in this conversation. Yes, I cannot agree more. I, I can't agree more. I'm I'm holding back words as Paige was speaking because what she said about her mom, um, you know, giving her the free will, but also holding her accountable. As parents, that is our calling. We are their hedge of protection until they enter. Um, a covenantal marriage. And so we are their forefront protectors as moms and dads. And um, I, I want to encourage parents, even, even up until they get engaged and married, we have um, a responsibility as their spiritual guidance to do just what Paige said, to remind them, what is your vision? Yeah. What is God's plan for this dating relationship? And yeah. is this dating relationship meeting the goals and um, the future growth that God has for you as a person and that person. Um, we just had this conversation with one of our girls about about someone that they were spending time with. And I want to encourage parents to understand what Paige said about um, kids want approval. They, they want their parents' approval. And, and they want that just as, they, just as much as they want, but don't communicate boundaries being continually reminded. So we had to remind our one of our girls just three weeks ago with a boundary and with a, a recognition that God's plan for dating is, you know, to, to look for that person and grow with the person with the intent of marriage and mm-hmm. most dating relationships. And we had to ask her the question, is this the person that you think God has for you? Ask him that question. And I have to say, um, with great pleasure and and just such an honor that God honored that conversation. And they haven't gone on another date since. And I'm not saying he was a bad boy. I'm just saying their visions and their goals for glorifying God in their future mm-hmm. weren't the same. Yeah. And again, don't ever think that just because they're not saying, I want your approval or I want you to keep giving me boundaries, they're feeling it and they're going to respond to it Um at some point. So continually walk in the strength 
and walk in the obedience of Christ that will ultimately show them the vision that Paige referred to for the future that we have in in covenantal marriages to bring glory to God. That's so good. Yeah. Um, so I just want to give a, a couple practical application points for right for right now um, to kind of bring these. Um, they're not pie in the sky. They're they're real things. But I want to bring them down. Talk to your kids about their future. Get a vision for their future stirred inside of them. Um, Make them put it on paper. Invite them to put it on paper. Um, Because the world always has the next thing that it's looking at. But when we're not called to live like the world, our next thing actually shouldn't look like the world. We are in it. We are not of it. So stir that vision and that hope for your future within your children. And that's going to go a long ways. Have them write down. If you were going to have a dream, and I'm speaking from the daughter and the girl perspective, but certainly for a guy, it worked the same way. If you were going to pick, you know, like, who you want to marry? Who? What are some qualities that you want? Have them write it. Have them write it down. And and as just part of this overall dialogue of of talking about the tough, not just the tough things, but in the context of the great things. And uh, three things that that Christy has said in this conversation that I want to bring back. Your kids want to know the truth. They, this generation wants to know the truth. We must remember that Jesus was the epitome of both grace and truth. So I call my people that know me know that I have like a truth raffle that I can like be a little armed with and like take my husband out with it sometimes. Like I can feel it when I'm like, truth bullets are about to launch. And that's great, except um, grace does not always accompany those. And then they're counterproductive. So I just am exhorting you, parents, grace and truth. Grace and truth. Like, if your kids say things that make your jaw drop, ask Jesus to give you as much grace for the situation as truth that you have brought into it because you are going to need both for this conversation. Jesus, I'm going to need both for this conversation. Your kids want approval. So first point, your kids want truth. Give them grace and truth. Your kids want approval. Give them approval in the right things, the things that water the vision, the hope for the future of being of the world. I mean, not of the world, but in the world, and then your kids want authentic connection. So connect when it matters, when they are young. I had someone um, share that recent. I, I heard something inadvertently recently where there was a, a teenage girl that w- had stepped into some um, things and didn't feel that she could talk to her mom about it. She said, you know, my mom didn't even play with me when I was little. Why would she talk to me about this now? So the little things matter. All the rage is coronavirus right now. And um, and so, you know, that is what it is, okay? I actually, uh, something a lot more prevalent, but we don't hear anything about, as you're mentioning STIs, STDs, talk to me about some recent stats about or whatever you know, and if it's, you know, not in the past two or three years, whatever, just, just qualify that. But people have no context, I feel like, for what stats are in teenagers and college students. I remember when Justin and I were first married, I was full of these stats. So we'd walk in a room and I'd be like, okay, one in every three people in here has an STD that starts with an H. And if it it's starts with an H, it's not curable. And I could list them all and he'd be like, he thinks that he thought I was psycho. But that I'm an Enneagram five, by the way. So it makes a lot of sense now. Um, but just yeah, so give some basic context when we are talking, when we're saying STD, STI. What is that is actually very real epidemic in our culture, and um, and if she is just 
gathering her her thought before she dives into that, I want to share this story um, that you can even consider sharing with your kids. And and it's it, the Lord spoke it to me the other day as I was driving down the road. My toddler, my four year old, she can unbuckle her belt her her belt um, for her car seat, but she cannot get it buckled back up. And so she unbuckled it. It was undone. We were about a mile from our turnoff. And so both my girls are screaming, her seatbelt's unbuckled, even though she'd just done that. And um, and I'm thinking, okay, we're almost to our turnoff. I'm going fast on the highway. It's probably going to be safest just to wait to the turnoff. And so I said, it's okay. Wait just a second. And the girl said, but what if the police officer pulls us over? And I'm actually thrilled that they have that, like, um, fear uh, in a positive way of authority. But what it showed me is that they don't understand that the police officer is would just get on to us for their seatbelt being undone because the police officer is concerned about their life and the life of others. And and so I think when you think about the grace and truth, truth conversation, when you think about the laws and the commands and the statutes that are perfect that God has given us, make sure your kids understand that it's because you want long life for them, that you want long, healthy, fulfilled, abundant, beautiful life for everyone around them. It's like when you were encouraging a boundary, like, hey, let's not unbuckle a seatbelt where it doesn't need to be unbuckled. Um, and, and making sure that they understand the purpose of that boundary is for life, not to avoid punitive damages. And so I just wanted to share that thought in in passing. So back to STDs and STIs, what do you want to share in closing this podcast out? That was good, Paige. Thank you for that parallel because it's it's exactly true. Um, so on the topic of STDs and STIs, um, recently I've been attending some trainings and um, certifications for different types of things within this field. Um, and I just came back from a training yesterday that was in Dallas. And what I'm learning most recently is that gonorrhea and chlamydia are at the top with HPV, with STDs. And um, more and more often, we're seeing that the bacterial STDs um, are becoming more resistant to antibiotic treatment. One of them, I don't want to say for sure which one, I believe it's gonorrhea, is only responding to one antibiotic. Okay, so what's happened since the 60s is we've we've gone from a handful to more than I could list on this show that we'd want to talk about, maybe 25 or more STDs. Um, HPV specifically, which is the human papillomavirus, which some of you parents may have, have been introduced to a vaccine regarding this STD, that has become a very um, prevalent STD, and it's it's connected directly connected to oral and throat cancer, um, specifically in men. With so men and women, men and women, yes, yes, and um, they're recommending this vaccine start at age twelve because of the series it goes into and the assumption that um, children haven't been exposed to the to the disease yet. However. Most everyone has been exposed to the HPV virus. Okay? Even if you're not sexually active um, or only if you're sexually only active. Only if you're sexually active. I don't I don't wanna I don't wanna missay that. But almost everyone will have been exposed to it in their lifetime. How about that? Yes. Yes. Um so that's a really important thing for parents to understand. And um for girls especially, I, I don't wanna dis- dismiss boys again, but girls are more likely to harbor these diseases because of our anatomical makeup. And so I think it's really important that moms find physicians that can have these conversations with them in um, 
in a manner that reflects their moral perspective. We have a we have a Christian nurse practitioner that talks to our has talked to our girls about these things in parallel to my um, biblical worldview. Okay, so I would recommend parents have you know that on their mind or their radar. But STDs in general, what we're seeing right now with the sexual activity and the rise of various types of sexual activity is that we are currently in a health crisis that's worse than what the AIDS epidemic was. And that is all directly connected to sexually transmitted diseases. And and that is where my heart and my passion as an educator and um, what I call myself as a health education consultant comes into play because um, when we dissect this issue of sex outside of marriage and abstinence, as Paige referred to it earlier, we're not just looking at a moral religious issue. I am not discounting that because I am a Christian. I am a Christian mom, and I, I um, stand very firmly on God's plan for sex. But what we are looking at is a health issue, um, a national health issue, um, when we look at the topic of sexual relations. Yeah, and like most things in life, um, God has given us the truth to guide us and to make our path straight and brighter and brighter as we walk on a pathway of righteousness is what, how Proverbs describes that. So as we close out this um, episode, we're going to continue into a different one and really spend more time talking about ministering to issues of shame um, because we want to see you out, out of that. So I'm going to pray for our, our listeners. Uh, actually, Christy, would, do, would you mind closing in prayer and just praying for our listeners to have the courage to not be afraid of of this conversation, to not be afraid of even the the statistics that we just said, but that they would have pure boldness to advance in this narrative. Thank you, Paige. Yes, Father, I pray right now for the listeners and the spouses of the listeners um, of this important but awkward conversation, Father. I pray that um, in their processing of this this information that you would be a reminder to them that their past sins are past sins and that your word and the blood of Christ has washed away those sins, Father. And I pray that they would remember you go before these conversations with them. The seeds they plant, um, Father, are seeds that are going to grow within the hearts and minds of their children as they plant those seeds. And Father, the water that they put on those seeds as parents and as, as caregivers Lord, whatever their role is, is you coming after them, Lord, that that they're going to plant the seeds, they're going to water the seeds, and those seeds are going to grow into truthful, grace-filled relationships that bring about God-honoring um, relationships for their children. And Father, I, I thank you for your cross. I thank you for your son on the cross, and I thank you for the grace and mercy you've given all of us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us today. For more information about Entourage Ministries, visit our website at entourageministries.com or visit us on Facebook or Instagram. We gather for our monthly worship gathering open to any woman who has interest the second Tuesday of every month at the Monterey in the Arts District of Durant, Oklahoma.